0: Hello, welcome to Sheffield Board Gamers. This is episode 15. I'm here with Tom Cauldron. Hello, Tom. Hello, Rick. Hello, just us today, so thank you for, uh, for joining me. Uh, we've got a few things to talk about uh, this month. We're going to talk about a few games that we've been playing recently. We've got an interview with Ellie Dix, and mm-hmm. Ellie Dix runs the Dark Imp Gaming, so she's going to tell us about some of the stuff she's been doing. Uh, I'm going to have a quick discussion about online conventions mm. with everything weird that's still in place at the moment and we're still not meeting. So <laughs> everything is kind of moved online at the moment. Yeah, kind of weird. Uh, so uh, a, a few bits in the news end that I've seen recently. Uh, there's a few big announcements that have been made. Uh, I think it's just been recently been um, the Gen Con convention, which is an online convention that's been uh, and gone that's all over now but um uh, traditionally a lot of publishers release the games at that at that point and announce new games that are coming out as well so uh, one of the new things that's been announced is uh, uh, seven wonders is getting a new edition it's one of my favorite favorite games and yeah, it's, a, great it's one. a good good um, drafting game good card game it's quick to play it's 3 to 7 players it plays up to 7 players but it still plays in like 30 40 minutes If you know what you're doing. (laughs) Obviously, there's a lot of icons to learn and things like that. But, yeah, it's getting a new edition. So this is like an anniversary edition. It's like a deluxe uh, edition. It's got uh, slightly new icons. they changed some of the resources around on the cards slightly. Mm
1: I think they've included a few of the uh, expansions that have been released over the years. And that'll be Ah, in the box. That's good.
0: Yeah, Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, uh, the backs of the cards are like in a glossy kind of shiny print. Mm -hmm. So that looks really nice um so yeah looking forward to uh to trying that one out i think it's essentially the same game it's going to be pretty much exactly the same um you probably won't want to pick this up if you've got all the expansions already because there's like four is the three four maybe five expansions already oh God, there are promos <laughs> yeah there's quite a lot and people obviously who like the game have bought all those already so it's probably not worth you know uh, just a slight redesign to to upgrade it but it's going to be good for new players I think it's going to look really impressive as far as I'm aware all the artwork is the same so all all the pictures and everything are all exactly the same Uh, they have been slightly expanded it's a graphic game yeah yeah it is Yeah, Uh, I think the pictures have been slightly expanded so they cover more of the card uh, and like a a slightly new graphic redesign but yeah so that looks like a a good game and uh, yeah I'm looking forward to trying that one
1: whenever we um, have it out at the club when we did have meetings at the mm. club. I would think, oh, why don't we have this more often? Because it's, it's great to get a... If you've got, like, a big green mm. uh, 5, 6, or 7, it's a bit awkward to find a, a game, but I then mean, they, say, oh, it's play seven Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, great.
0: Yeah, it is good for uh, for higher play counts.
1: Yeah, it plays just as well with um, 7 as it does with 3, which is really Yeah, clever. it really does,
0: yeah. Another uh, announcement that's made is uh, Twilight Imperium 4th Edition is getting a new expansion. So... Yeah, I saw
1: this, and the... Uh, the expansion itself costs as much as two normal games. So yeah. Oh, really? I've <laughs> not looked at that. You do get a lot in it. Yeah, well, it's going to be something like £80 wow. or something for this this expansion yeah.
0: box. Yeah. There's quite a few people at the club really? who really like Twilight Imperium. It's, that, it's the epic 4X yeah. game, the space opera kind of game. Where you kind of expand your empire, yeah. and you there's a bit of combat, a bit of politics, a bit of you know upgrading your stuff to get better, um, uh, better things. So there's, a, there's it's a it's quite a big game, and uh, it's a real um, event when you get together to play that. It, yeah. it is, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a day or a weekend, isn't yeah. it? To get together.
1: I've only played the um, the third edition one, so I've never played tried the uh, the new fourth edition thing, but it's it's essentially oh, okay. the same game with some yeah. tweaks and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, slightly,
0: slightly refined, and yeah, slightly again, gra- a graphical upgrade maybe to, to slightly different uh, graphical design. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's, it's an absolute huge box. So you're saying about the the expense there? That it's going to be quite an expensive game. Yeah, you do get a lot in there. You get seven new factions.
1: Yeah, you can put the player count up to eight, like like we had with the expanded Twelfth and Yeah, Three.
0: Yeah, it goes up to eight players, so the base game yeah. goes up to six, and it adds two, two extra player components. There are new tiles, there are leader cards, there are relics. There's all sorts of stuff in there. So if you like Twilight Imperium, that's uh, going to be a good addition. It all fits in with the, with the new edition, the fourth edition. So that's um, that's something that I think a few players are like going yeah. can have a look at. Plus, if you're playing with six or eight players, you can kind of spread the cost between you as well. So if it's you know, going to be like a, something that you play regularly, I think some of our members before the pandemic were playing like once a month or once every couple of months. Um, and and you know you get the same people around and you play for a, for a full day, you, you can all kind of chip in, can't you, and put a bit towards it, perhaps. Yeah,
1: you got a regular group, yeah.
0: So that's uh, that's something to look forward to. Uh, and then the other big the big piece of news is pandemic legacy season zero has mm-hmm. been announced. Now this is the one I'm most likely to get out of these. Yeah, I mean, me as well. I think.
1: Yeah. I played uh, I played both uh, season one and season two, which were
0: fantastic. Yes, oh, have you? right, okay. Yeah, so we we were about halfway through season two when uh, everything stopped. So we I think we're on about June or July. Yeah. Uh, we haven't got any further than that. So we've been opening boxes and sticking stickers and ripping up cards and things like that. I'm really enjoying it. And the first one, yeah, it was really good. Me and Tracy played that, and we uh, played it two player and had a fantastic time. It's mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's a really good game. So season more season zero is probably just more of the same. Uh, I've been avo- avoiding spoilers, so I've not really looked into it much, but it's a, a kind of prequel to Season 1. Mm. Uh, it's got, like, a Cold War theme. Yeah, and um, instead of diseases coming around the board... I mean, in the
1: initial game, before it all starts changing, you've got various... Um, uh, You're all American agent, agents, and instead of diseases, as Soviet agents around the board that you've got to try and mm. um, go and tackle instead of, de- um,
0: instead of solving diseases, which is... Which is yeah. a very
1: different theme. I mean, uh, it may turn into diseases yeah. later on. Who knows?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a departure. It's, it's obviously the same system and the same kind of idea behind it, but um, I think they've, um, with season two, that was a bit of a departure as well, wasn't it? it was a slightly different way of looking at it. So, if you played Pandemic a lot, it's something new teeth into. And I think this is a similar sort of thing for season zero. If you've played a lot of Pandemic, it's not just more of the same. It's some new ideas and some new, some new uh, challenges that are going to be in there. So. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah, we're definitely going to be getting that. Probably just play um, two-player, myself and Paula again, rather than getting a
0: group together, but you never know. Yeah, um, I played season one two-player, and then season two we were playing four-player. And uh, yeah, there wasn't much difference, really. It worked just as well either way. Season one, without giving too much away, uh, you kind of stuck with the same characters, so we didn't really change ground characters very much. But um season two with us being four players we've um yeah had a bit more you know, a bit more choice and variation in that side of it. But I don't think we missed out on anything. I think it was pretty much the same kind of experience. So yeah, it works really well mm. as a two player and hoping that season zero does as well.
1: Oh god, that bit in
0: October in season one was well <laughs> <Shh. laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh yeah, it's been out a couple of years now, hasn't it? Pand- uh, pandemic season one, so yeah. But most people who wanted to play have probably played it by now, so it it is still available as well, you can still <laughs> yeah. play it. I
1: think I think we're allowed to say that uh, Darth Vader is Luke's father <laughs> yeah. by now. I mean Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not sure about the uh, sp- pandemic thought spoilers.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. So uh on to games that we've been playing recently. So even though we've not been meeting at the club, we've still been playing games. People have been putting pictures on Facebook and things like that and on the forums of, of games that we've been playing, so that's good. Uh One particular game that me and Tracy have been playing at home is Memoir 44. So this is a bit of an older game. This is from 2004. Uh, it's, been de- uh, it's designed by Richard Borg. takes between 30 and 60 minutes and plays between 2 and 8 players. So in the base box, it's just a two-player game uh, generally, but it does go up to 8 with some of the expansions and the overlord maps and things like that. So Memoir 44 is a historical war game based on World War II and um, there's a board which is made up of uh, hexes and you've got a, a, um, a box full of terrain tiles and little green army men and tanks and artillery and things like that. So you, uh, you have scenarios in the book, so there are 16 scenarios in the base game, each one slightly different and a different layout, different goals, in the first one I think there's a bridge you have to capture and then it goes on to like beach landings there's um, a battle for the ceremony there's Omaha Beach Pegasus Bridge all sorts of st- scenarios in there so the, the way the game works is the, the, the board the actual play area is split up into three portions there's a central area a left hand flank and a right hand flank and There's a deck of cards that both players share. So you get you get a hand of these cards, and the cards say activate activate all your units in say for example the center, or activate three units on the left flank, or two unit, units on the right flank. So you can uh, activate these units, you move them around, you can shoot at the other player, you roll dice to uh, find out if you hit them or not. There's various little tweaks about terrain, so if you can hide in sort of woods and things like that, there's sandbags and things that uh, tweak where will more likely take the other player. Uh, and basically the goal is to get a, a certain number of victory points, and so the victory points are tallied up by either taking out your opponent's units or capturing the control objectives, which might be like a bridge or a certain building or something like that. So uh, we played a, a few scenarios of this, and, and we've really enjoyed it. It's a, it's a fairly quick game. It took us between 30 and 40 minutes probably to play uh, most of the scenarios. It's quite quick mm. to play. It's fairly straightforward. It's not like massively huge on rules or anything. Uh, Most of the rules are on the little cards, so you get some like little cards to tell you what the scenarios. So if you're not sure what the sandbags do, uh, there's a little card that tells you how it affects your dice rolls, things like that. So you can you can uh, plan plan using those. There's a kind of restriction, and the, the uh, decisions come into effect where you get the actual cards. So you, you only get four or five cards in a game, depending on the scenario, and the cards dictate where you can move. So you might want to really move on the centre or on the left flank, but you've only got cards for the right flank. So that kind of limits your decisions, and you have to take that into effect. Sort
1: of um, mirroring the idea of communication breakdowns in the middle yes. of a battle. Like you really want to order those people, but you haven't got the message. Yeah, yeah. The the
0: idea behind it is that you, uh, yeah, you don't get overall control like uh, instantly of all your troops. You kind of have to relay messages through uh, to you know, to your to your officers and things like that. So it's a bit of fog of war like, there, where you've got a kind of overall plan and overall strategy of what you want to do, but um, you are kind of limited. But you you do rattle through the cards fairly quickly. So even if the you're not you don't you don't get a particular card that you need. Um, you can always, you know, you'll, you'll usually get more cards if you get another card at the end of your turn. So there's special event cards. So these event cards can be things like activate your artillery or all your tanks or things like that. Uh, so they come into play, they're quite powerful and they can be uh, decisive in some of the battles. So we've, uh, yeah, we've really enjoyed it. I've never played um, Memoir 44, but we have played um,
1: The Great War, which is a similar mm. system for First World War battles. But I'd, I'd like to play Memoir 44, the... Um the big eight-player version, where you yeah. got four players on each team and one player's the overall commander. And yeah, yeah, it does sound fun. Left, middle, or right. Yeah, sounds crazy. that will be a. That'd be again an event game, even though it's a bit shorter than Twilight Imperium. Yeah,
0: even at two player, yes. it does it does feel quite epic, even though you're you know you know you're only if it's just you and an opponent, it does feel quite a big, you know, because of the grand scale of the map and the tanks and moving tanks and troops around, it does feel it does feel like a proper you know like something you can get your teeth into, even though the rules are fairly simple. I quite like the information, the historical information in the scenarios. So for each scenario, it's they're all based on real life battles. So that it gives you you know a few paragraphs of who the commanders were and what the events were leading up to that and things like that. So that's really good. And I also managed to pack, managed to pick up the uh, scenario book as well. So you can get the scenario book as a PDF online. I think it's uh, a bit tricky to pick up in real life, but you can pick it up and um, I managed to get that as well. And that's um, going to expand it out even more. So again, it's just for the base game. But it gives you like a campaign, so you can start off with a couple of battles, and then depending on how it goes, you go into a different battle. It kind of forks. So if you win this battle, you go to this battle. But if you lose, you go to a different one. So that's going to be interesting to play through as well. But like I said, there are 16 in the base game, and we've played probably um, seven or eight of those so far. We wanted to get to one of the um, uh, beach ones, <laughs> so we could uh, you know do one of the beach landings. That was really good fun. So oh, you thought sort of working through them in in order? Yeah, yeah. Um, they start off. Uh, they start off the first scenario that you play is to four points, so it's like a really short game, and it just you just have infantry on the map, so it kind of teaches you how the infantry move and mm-hmm. um, uh, you know how, how the terrain works and things like that. And then the next ser- scenario adds in a couple of extra things, and then the third one adds in tanks. So it kind of builds you up to to sort of uh putting it's all quite a good way to do that. Mm-hmm. You have a,
1: like, yeah, uh, training uh, second.
0: Yeah, yeah where you build up to the full game so I, I like that as well you can make up your own as well I think there's stuff online that you can um, put, put you know there's like online building tools where you can make your own up there's plenty of fan made scenarios like I said there's uh, extra expansion books official books there's all sorts of stuff in there so it's got a lot of longevity I think loads of expansions are out for it as well and I think they are reprinting some of them so historically I think some of them would be quite difficult to get hold of but uh, they are they are reprinting some of the, the um, expansions that have been difficult to get so um, yeah, uh, I really enjoyed it. I was really surprised because with it being an old game, I thought it might be a bit clunky or a bit showing its age, but it feels like a brand new game. It's, it's really good. I really enjoyed it. It's uh, it's fun. It's strategic. It's um, it's really well produced. The little miniatures and everything are great. Uh, the terrain, the maps, it all all the artwork and everything is really good. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, it's a good little, uh, good little game. Memoir 44.
1: I think uh, within the board game hobby, there's a sort of sub-hobby of War gamers who have their own little Mm. corner in conventions and have sort of massive uh, battles over over, uh, really well crafted terrain things and moving hundreds of little chits around Mm. and generally older men with beards. Uh, (laughs) But but I think Memoir 44 sort of crosses that boundary into something that anyone in a hobby can pick up and play and have fun with.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Still uh, having all that um, historical. accuracy that the proper grognards appreciate. Yeah. Is grognard the right word? <laughs> is it is just... now. <laughs> is that something you just made up? Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a word. I don't know if he's excited for that. So I'm going to Google okay. that you can tell us what you've been playing. Well, I've been playing, I think we mentioned last time the uh, Spiel des Tiaras. Mm. I've been playing one of the games that we mentioned that I finally got around to trying The Crew. Oh yeah. Or D Crew. Uh, mm. the crew. Now. Yeah um which is the um cooperative trip taking game. Mm. Uh I think this was in the Kennishville did it win? I'm not sure. I think we it won. Yeah, anyway, it's very checked, good. yeah. So um it's listed on the box as being from 3 to 5 players with also a variant for two players and we've just been playing it with a two player variant and it's it's really good. I I think um in game design sometimes uh, often in the playtest sessions, you get a prototype that you just, it worked perfectly in your head and then you look at your cards and you go, ah, <laughs> I see why this doesn't work. Hmm. And this was exactly the opposite, uh, feeling of this. You read the rules for the crew and you picked up your cards and go, oh, I see where, <laughs> I see where the, uh, the game is now. Hmm. Cause suddenly you're thinking, oh, I've got to do this, to do that, to do that. Which is really, uh, a really, um, lovely moment. The way it works is it's the standard trick-taking thing of everyone's got to play a card. Uh, whoever puts down the first card of a trick that determines what suit you're playing in, and everyone has to follow that suit if they can. Mm-hmm. And then whoever's got the highest card and puts down the highest card of that suit wins the trick. If they don't have anything in that suit, they can throw anything. And one uh, sort of card is a trump. So that if you, if you do If you don't play the suit, but play a trump card, then that would win the trick. Mm. Unless someone plays a higher trick. So that's a a standard thing of trick-taking games for centuries. But this is the first one I've seen where it's cooperative trick-taking, which is you're not just trying to win, you're trying to ensure that certain uh, objectives are met. So that player has to make sure that at some point during the game, they win a trick containing this card. Mm. While that other player has to win a trick containing that other card, Right. the five orange, and I've got to I've got to win a two green or something. Hmm. So you've got to try. You've got to look at your cards and work out how to make that happen. Like I've got the two green in my hand, but I've got to make sure that at some point Paula gets to win that card in a trick. And there's fifty different missions in the book. Starting with a really basic thing, so like there's one objective, hmm. someone's got to win one thing, which is really easy to do. It's just an introductory game, like, like you had with uh, Memoir 44, where you had sort of yeah. gradually introducing harder and harder things. Hmm. But in this, it, it starts off really basic, and then you, you've got one objective, and then the next making you've got like two objectives, and the next making you've got two objectives that have got to be done in a certain order. <laughs> so that, that one's got to be won in a trick at some point before this one's worth one in a trick. And they go, and they get harder and harder. Hmm. as to go through. Uh, you have to make sure that one person gets through the entire game without winning any tricks at all. <laughs> Things like that. So, and you, and every time you look at your cards, you think, "How are we going to achieve this?"
0: Yeah.
1: And it's it's uh, it was a really nice game experience. we have only worked, uh, gone through the first four missions so far. In the two-player variant of it, you've got your own hand. I've got my hand. Paul's got her hand, and there's an an extra player, Jasper. No, sorry, Jarvis. Jarvis. Why could I? How could I forget Jarvis? <laughs> Who's got the rest of the cards? Hmm. And some of them are face up, and some of them are face down here. And and, you, and whoever is the mission commander for that turn uh, gets to choose which card Jarvis plays to the trick. Uh, okay. So it's yeah. it's it's almost similar, uh, simulating having a third player, but with an extra few. Um, wrinkles. Like, if that yeah. card that you need is one of of the face, what one down ones that Jarvis has got, that's going to be a bit of a pain. Yeah. But yeah, it's um, we're looking forward to discovering more of the missions. Um, I think it's got to be a fun one. I want to try yeah. it with uh, with real people as well.
0: Uh, how many does it go up to? What's the maximum you can play Players? I think it's up to five. Five, right, okay. And uh, it's uh, cooperative, isn't it? So you're all kind of working together yeah. and trying to... Do you think... Yeah. If you've played it a couple of times, then if you've played like the first three or four scenarios, if you were starting with a, you know, a new group, or if you were playing with five players, would you just start at the beginning, or would that be too easy for you? Would you jump in at like the uh, third possibly. Mission
1: or something? I mean, you, as I said, there's a campaign book where you can work through all the missions getting greatly harder, or you could just pick yeah. one from randomly in the middle if you want. Right. And there's, um, uh, in the campaign book, you can sort of, Right in each one how, how many times how many tries it took you to do it whether you used your, oh, okay, yeah. your special help thing at the start which enables you to pass cards to each other so if you, if um, you fail you can just
0: try that same mission again
1: yeah just try and do it right okay yeah. but you're marking a book that you've had to have a second attempt so. Um, but I'm always I, I, I don't know if we'll do that because I'm apart from the pandemic legacy things I'm always kind of loathe to yeah um writing anything any game materials yeah you could always so, I mean what if it I want to sell this on to someone else and they they opened it up and it's like, oh someone's yeah, written it yeah after. yeah, that might be yeah, the idea yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah you so can always write know, out something else can you we might just we might just play it I've not played many trick-taking games so yeah it'd be interesting to, to try mm. this one is it um similar style to like the mind or the game or something like that is it just like cards in a box is it quite small
1: Uh it is quite small yeah mm.
0: Uh not quite as small as, as those mm.
1: Um of course, you've got the, uh, all the uh, cards that you play with, hmm. plus smaller cards, which are the objective cards, uh, plus several tokens that you can use for communication. At one point during the game, you can use your communication to say, I have this card, and it is either the highest card I've got, you put your token at the top, or the only card I've got, or the lowest card you've got, put your token at the bottom. So that's a, a bit of communication that you can give, otherwise you can't say what's in your hand at all. Um. Yeah, it was the Kenner Spiel winner, that one. Yes, that's it. Yeah, am deserving too. Yeah. Well, I haven't actually played any of the other Kennispiels, but this is a good one. They know the stuff, the Spielers. Yeah, they do,
0: yeah. I've been playing one of the nominees, but I've not really played it enough yet to review it. It's My City. I picked that one Ooh, up. So, I want to try Yeah, that. I'm looking forward yeah. to trying that. We've done the first couple of missions on that, but looking forward to. That's a
1: sort of legacy ish thing as well.
0: Yes, it? yeah, yeah. That's got stickers and boxes and envelopes and things in it, yeah. Okay cool. Uh so uh, another thing, another game that I've been playing recently is Magic the Gathering. This is um, an online game. So uh obviously mm-hmm. we have not been able to meet up recently. I've I've drifted into online gaming and mm-hmm. there's a quite a good implementation which is uh, the Arena. It's called Magic the Gathering Arena. Uh, so I've been playing a few uh, a few games of that. I, I found uh, it's really nice production. It's got uh all really nice graphics and it's like really up to date. All the interface is like that is a you can hover your mouse over the cards and it tells you what they all do and things like that. Uh, I I found that it's got the same old problems as Magic has, though. It's got um, random cards that you get given you. So if you want to build your own decks, you're kind of limited. uh, You have to sort of play loads and loads and loads to get the cards you want, or there are like wild cards you can get that you can turn into a particular card if you want. So that's a bit of a downside. Uh, and then the other downside is the actual design itself. So it's quite an old game. I think it was like ninety four, ninety five when it initially came out, mm-hmm. and it's been you know redesigned and retweaked and and upgraded. Uh, and it's still you know still going strong now. There's still quite a lot of players out there. I, I, f- I found it a bit frustrating after a few games because you, you have lands in your deck that you're trying to get out, and they give you the resources to play play your cards, and you you don't necessarily always get what you want. You you. Like in in newer games like Keyforge, you can, you pick a house and you can play whatever cards you want from that house, and you know people are kind of in Dominion and you get like um, coins in your deck and they gradually upgrade as you go along. But with with Magic, you're kind of fixed to what comes out of your deck. So you shuffle a deck of cards, and if you mm. get three three lands in your first hand, then yeah, brilliant, we'll keep that. But then you don't get any more, so you are kind of stuck. <laughs> it is yeah, it's. I think it was fun for the first like dozen or so games and then it, it kind of wore off a bit And I don't think I really want to play it again much more, to be honest. Um, Did I, you ever play the, uh,
1: the physical version? Did you have a?
0: Yeah, uh, I've got a few uh, of uh,
1: if, cards.
0: And... Yeah, yeah, I've got a few decks. Uh, and that's probably my preferred way to play it is to just get, you know, a deck, a fixed deck, uh, and play against another fixed deck. Uh, and that way you know you kind of it is kind of equal in that you're playing against each other and uh, they, they are quite kind of quite yeah. balanced um so yeah i've I,
1: uh, I, never been tempted to get involved because it just seems so it seems kind of intimidating having these 25 years of history mm. and many thousands of cards out there and yeah um people have been playing it for their entire gaming gaming life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a bit hard to sort of a bit of a hurdle to get into it. Yeah, you know, it's so. it's
0: one of those lifestyle games where if you if you play it, you kind of that's that's the main thing that you play. And to be to be good at it, that's all you can play. You can't you know you can't spend time doing anything else. You have got to go after the cards that you want.
1: Buying them. maybe online is the way to go though mm-hmm. for that because I wouldn't want to sort of turn up to a Magic knight at at Patriot Games and say hi. Can teach you teach me to play? Yeah, but maybe <laughs> just going online and. Do you get access to all the cards, then, if you're if you're online, you can pick what you want? Or uh,
0: you get a couple of starting decks, so you get like four or five different decks that are made up of different colours. Um, as you play, you get more and more decks, so you kind of build up a library of different decks. Oh right. You can actually so go and
1: earn in... experience points.
0: Yeah, 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 you can go in and tweak them as well. So you can, um, you get cards for winning games, so you get cards, and you can put those into your library, and you can build decks out of those as well. Uh, but like I say, you have to do a lot, a lot to, to actually, you know, get the the cars that you want. So it's um, yeah, it's a bit of a grind to to get you know really good, really good cars or particular cars that you that you're after. Whereas in real life, you know, you can just go online and just buy singles. You can buy whatever you want. I I did put um, I did put a message on Facebook about Magic and see if we have got any players in the group. Uh, and one guy answered Robert. He said that uh, that was what put put him off a bit It was the cost of it um so yeah if you're just picking randomly cards out of a deck you uh, you're not necessarily going to get what you want and then if you do want know what you want you have to go some, sort of online and buy them And you know the commons are, p- are pretty cheap the commons are like pennies really but when you get to the rares and the mythics you cut, you're talking like 10 15 20 pounds for for one card it just gets ridiculous so the the online game it is free to play uh, you don't have to pay anything to download it or or start playing uh, and like I said, I did quite enjoy it for the first for the first few games, but then it it kind of starts wearing a bit thin. Then, uh, and I think there are a lot of better, newer, better games that do it do the same kind of thing a lot, be- a lot better. Mm, I think I heard someone saying that
1: if it was designed today, it would definitely have had instead of having lands which just provide thing and not nothing else, uh, provide mana. You would have had multi use cards that you could mm. use either for power or for providing.
0: Yeah, it's a bit of a weird mechanic. No, like, no, no new game these days would have would have that. <laughs> so, like, I say if you look at Keyforge or Dominion or uh, one that I've talked about re- recently, Res Arcana, That's basically a, a card game where you you know you you're paying resources to get stuff. That, that that's a brilliant game, full of combos, full of like interesting decisions. But you never get stuck. You never get you know put into a corner and sort of well, these are the cards I've got. I can't really do anything. You've always got choices where. Yeah, most of the time in magic you do. That's fine, but then on the other occasion where things don't work, then well, yeah, there's nothing you can do about it really.
1: A bit like like, like a flexibility there. Uh,
0: that's my experience. <laughs> uh, I think there is obviously a lot to say. You know, a lot of good things about magic. There's a social aspect that we've not really been involved with. Like you say, people. Well, obviously, it's uh, lasted so long. There must be something there. People meet at yeah. the clubs and play. You know, play games against each other. There are tournaments you can play in. Uh, you know, various different va- uh, variations, Commander and things like that. But yeah, for me, uh, I think I'll probably just play it a little bit and then go back to poor gaming. <laughs> <laughs> right, you've been playing another classic, another uh, old game.
1: Well, yeah, it's, it's got even possibly even slightly longer um, history than Magic the Gathering. Um, it's a sort of a miniatures-based war game. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's um, chess. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just uh, been getting into this randomly for the last uh, couple of months. We've had um, at Aircon, which was the last convention of the year before mm. everything happened. I randomly decided to buy a chess clock. Okay. So <laughs> this last week or so, we've been having a couple of blitz five minute games with me versus Paul in okay, yeah. chess, which I think is probably probably the best way of playing. Mm. Um, not memorising openings and st- spending an hour staring at the board, but hmm. you know oh, I've got to do something. Uh, I'll move the pawn. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes you lose, and sometimes you win, and it's great. Uh,
0: how does that work then? Do you get like five minutes for, for like for the entire game, or for per turn? Or how, how?
1: Well, yeah, five minutes for the entire game is the way we've what been playing it. I mean, you can set you can it's set an entire game. Probably. Yeah. Well, to make all your moves, I've got five minutes. You've got five minutes. But yeah, okay. uh, we could set it to. Whatever time we like, we've just been doing five minutes. You know, you can say, "Oh, we've got
0: ten minutes. Let's have a game." So, do, do you find you get a full game in a, in in that time? Then do you do you get like to the end, or do... well, you have to. <laughs> you just have to move something. You don't think too. Late. Oh, okay, all right. Because,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, chess. It's obviously got a lot of depth because people keep on discovering new things about it. Mm. A thousand. Well, the official start date of it on board game geek lists all the games and the date that they were published and for chess it's got like 14 something Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah I think it's been sort of variants going for a thousand years but yeah in all that time people keep on discovering new uh, new tactics new ways to do it so there's obviously a lot of depth there but the problem with it is that you can win by memorising things Mm -hmm. if you memorise the opening books you can just win Mm -hmm against someone who hasn't done that. Which is uh, a bit of a shame for people who just um, want to play games for fun, like me. I don't want to spend all that time actually working at a game, I just want to play it. But I also um, accidentally stumbled across uh, a weird 1980s BBC programme. I was looking for something else on um, Amazon Prime, Mm. uh, and... Uh, I was looking for a, a documentary about board game design, mm. and I got the name slightly wrong, and ended up with this um, uh, chess uh, program from the ni- from 1980. All oh, right, called the Master Game, which mm. is was on BBC, and it just had a, a, a sort of mini tournament of eight top chess players. And they did have top chess players; they are like number two in the world, and they had seven grandmasters and uh, one young. Fresh-faced, fifteen-year-old schoolboy called Nigel Shorty, I'm sure we're going to go far. <laughs> um, and it was it, and we just sort of sat and watched all this. They've got the um, commentary all the way through. They, they've they've done it in a weird way where they it's sort of like you're hearing the thoughts of the uh, the players. Oh. So they have a, a position, and then a picture of uh, uh, Tony Miles sitting there thinking, uh, sit, uh, sitting there thinking about his position, oh. saying, "Oh yes, I can. Uh, I've got a lot of play on the queen side." <laughs> Uh, but I don't like where, what he's doing with his night. I mean Yeah, um And it was it was weird and eighties and uh a bit janky 'cause the obviously the tapes that had been given to Amazon uh, yeah. to put on their site hadn't been the sort of finished product yeah. but had got like bits of the the behind the scenes production bits and then it cuts to the credits and then <laughs> back to uh Back to the, you know, the clapperboard thing, you know, take one. (laughs) It's a bit weird. Uh, But yeah, that was fun. And then uh, reading about all the um, crazy soap opera of 1980s chess players, Hmm. one of the uh, guys commenting on it, Bill Hartston, was uh, commenting on games with Tony Miles. And then later on, I I was looking him up and realised that Bill Hartston's wife had actually left him for Tony Miles (sighs) the year before. (laughs) And then... Nigel Short wrote wrote the um, the world's bitchiest obituary <laughs> of Tony Miles like, when two hundred and one. It was wow. incredible. Yeah, it was. Yeah, chess players are just insane. <laughs> um, it's a crazy game for crazy people. But if you don't take it too seriously and play without all the um, without t- taking all the effort and without
0: taking an hour for each movies, yeah. and it
1: can actually be quite a good game. Yeah
0: we do um i did see uh, before we broke up for um uh for the club i did see a few people playing chess there there were a few people who brought in some chess boards uh, so we do have a few members
1: oh yeah, oh, yeah. The, i think the the uh, the university chess club sort of um, yeah they
0: they come down a couple a of times of a, uh, and yeah cross there is a there is a proper chess club in Sheffield as well um that players i'm a, i've seen some of their posts on facebook and they they mm. have regular tournaments and stuff online with w- chess as well, you can get some really nice sets as well, can't you? You can get some beautiful, like antique, oh, yeah. really nice ones that uh, look fantastic in your living room.
1: Yeah, 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 you can get some arty ones, or, or you can just get a Simpsons or, uh, ones. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, or you can get that. Yeah. yeah, your preference. You can get something for one ninety nine from
0: uh, from local yeah. state, or you can buy it. Oh, I, I really want to play chess now <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> going to look up one of those online, I'm sure there's like uh, online you know, like games you can uh, you just go to a website and oh, yeah, play online chess.com yeah. is, is one I, I haven't played since I was about 12 so I might be a bit rusty <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: how the horsey thing move again
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. have you ever tried Go? Because that's the other no,
1: great no, I classic, that's different because I, I think with the, the, the further you get into chess the worse it gets as a game, mm. if you see what I mean. But I think Go is a sort of endless pool of discovering new ideas. Mm. And I think that's a, a different thing. But I, I, I had a, I dabbled in it slightly, and there's a, uh, again as a, uh, regular group that meets up to play Go in Sheffield, they used mm. to be at Queen's Head, but uh, and I went there once or twice. But that's a game that I think would have to be a. I, th- I think you either have to devote lots of time to it or not bother, right? Um, because it's just there's so much there hmm. it's um shut up and sit down did a review of go uh just uh uh not long ago hmm. a couple weeks ago and that's uh it's a good good place to start because it's a it's an amazing game, but doesn't really fit into my lifestyle <laughs> I'd want to devote an entire life to it but I've got all these other games to play. So, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Presumably, that's another one that is quite easy to sort of play online or either against a real opponent or a computer or on your phone sure or something it is, like that. Yeah, because
1: mm-hmm. all you need is a grid and lots of black and white things to place on it.
0: Yeah. No, I've not actually tried Go, but um, yeah, it looks a bit boring for me. <laughs> Give me something with some miniatures in it and some dice instead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wonder if anyone's tried painting their chess pieces like they do with. Uh, minicure's game
0: oh yeah <laughs> so uh moving on then we better crack on we're um we're running out of time here <laughs> oh yes we've uh got an interview next with ellie Dix. uh ellie runs the dark imp and she's a designer and uh she designs she's designed lots of games I, uh published them herself as well so i've uh, had a quick chat with her and here we are now this is ellie Dix. Okay, uh, so thank you for joining me, Ellie. Um, I'm joined by Ellie Dix. Ellie's the manager of Dark Ink Imp Games. Uh, She's an author, wrote a book, you're a YouTuber, teacher, game designer, a mum. So my first question is probably, how do you spend, how do you find time to do anything else? How do you find time to sleep or eat?
2: (laughs) Well, I'm quite productive, uh, but also I'm fairly obsessive, you know. and, And... I suppose part of it is not being a very good multitasker. So when I sit down I don't try and do lots of things at once. <clears throat> I'm always just focusing on one thing. So if I'm with the kids then I'm with them and if I'm writing I'm writing and if I'm on if I'm recording for YouTube that's what I'm doing. And I plan my time fairly well but also my kids are a bit older. So You know, they're not as needy as they used to be. And I've been really pleased during lockdown that that's the case because, you know, my eldest is 17 and the younger one is 13 and they don't need me that much. So when I see them, we're playing board games. That's good. Yeah,
0: that's good. Yeah, that's good to know. (laughs) So uh, you're the manager of Dark Imp Games. Tell us a bit about Dark Imp. What's
2: the the dark imp is a board game publishing company specializing in games for families with children aged eight and up we don't specialize in children's games quite specifically we're we're making games that are going to appeal to adults just as much as they'll appeal to children so that's that's really the the background for you know what we're doing and, and why
0: Cool. And uh, there's um, there's a lot of stuff on the website. Uh, I had a quick look earlier, and there's all sorts on there. There's like full size board games, and then there's puzzles, and there's various different things that you uh, they have on there. There's all sorts of stuff, isn't there?
2: Yeah. And and you know, there's we we started off by doing the the puzzle box, which is a board game and puzzle box, and that's sort of the hero hmm. product, I suppose. You know, the kind of the key, the leading product, which is really aimed at bringing new families into the hobby so it gives them a themed box of original board games and puzzles and everything's everything sort of hangs on a theme so it might be uh, donuts and cake or gardens and chicken there's an Mm. asteroid and asteroids one coming out later in the year and The idea is that they'll open it together as a family, take all the bits out and they'll play them over time. And of course, they can keep keep everything and play them lots of times. But um, increasingly, we've been producing things that are on unexpected games on unexpected things or in unusual places. So uh, and this is all really to do with hooking new people into the hobby. So we do board games on coasters. And we are doing a Kickstarter in September for board games in a cracker. So a Christmas cracker, a giant Christmas cracker that will go in the middle of the table. (laughs) And there's going to be six different games using the same components in there. And it's instead of your crappy, you know, chuck away crackers with nothing interesting and very anticlimactic. So this is one Mm. big cracker with loads of stuff in. And it's a sort of game design kit as well, because... All of the different games use the same components. And we also produce games on big, giant A3 placemats. Um, and and uh, all of these, the, the, all of those games, the placemat games, can be played with any number of people. Uh, and they're role and write games. So you can have a whole class of kids playing them. Or you can have a massive family playing them. And you can also play them on Skype. You can be social dis- socially distanced or Zoomed or, or Zoom to play them there as well.
0: Yeah, the, uh, I had a look at the website and the puzzle box. Yeah, there's all sorts of stuff in there, isn't there? There's like, uh, puzzles and there's uh, games and there's a, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you get yeah, like, in one package. It's, not, it's really unusual.
2: Yeah, it's a real variety. Yeah. Um, you know, it... I as I've got teenagers myself and it's all about providing stuff that will hook in teenagers and preteens into spending more time as a family you know those that that's the starting point for yeah. everything and I know that things like this where there are lots of different kind of cool stuff to unpack and look at and play over time those things work
0: Yeah and you mentioned about your coaster games as well and the playmat games uh, they're a really good idea uh, that's probably what started off this initial, uh, initial interview anyway but um yeah the the like a beer mat kind of like a what you get in a pub that you put your pint on but um, it's like a game on one side and then if you turn it over there's instructions on the other so you can exactly uh, and there's and there's loads of different games different types of games as well like you say family family style games and puzzle games and word games things like that again yeah. there's a lot of a lot of variety in there and a yeah, lot Yeah
2: there's there's a lot of variety in that sort yeah. of as well you know I've I've got six uh, coaster games at the moment and they come in a sort of little holder and they're great for you know going on holiday they fit in your back pocket if you want them to and all mm. you need i mean for some of the games you don't need anything except the coaster for some games you need pencil and paper um and that that the, the, the idea is that they're all completely different so there's a couple of cooperative games there's a deduction game there's a sort of economic game there's a word game and there's a um a uh, an action selection game where you're sort of creating your own farm of aliens yeah <laughs> yeah there's a, there's a real range of different things but i've yeah. had some wonderful feedback and it's really you know th- the idea of these is that of course they can get out to lots more people obviously i want gamers to play the games because they're designed to be really good games um and i'm from a board gaming background uh, but I'm trying to get mechanics and ideas and uh, concepts that we would see in hobby games more into the mainstream, trying to get these really good games out to other people. So my idea for the coasters was, well, you know, if, if a family doesn't play many games, how, it's not exactly daunting to pick up a cardboard coaster Mm-hmm. And read the rules on the back of that coaster, and you could be playing in a couple of minutes. You know that that's a really low risk, easy to access game, and it might just hook them in because they are simple to learn, but not usually simple to win.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point actually, because um, well, sometimes if you get like a game out and it's full of like counters and components and a big board, and you have this, you know, that you have this play mat and all that kind of stuff, sometimes that's a bit daunting, isn't it? Especially uh fly like family style games like you say that you're trying to trying to aim at whereas yep. these are are like you say literally just a bit with you know you might need a bit of an extra paper or whatever to, to write on but people can exactly. use the phones or whatever can't they?
2: Exactly so and it's, what's really yeah, interesting.
0: It's really accessible.
2: Yes. And part of that um part of the problem with hooking new people into the hobby, families particularly, is that they they're a bit daunted by the volume of things within a box and, but, but but often the biggest uh, objection that I hear from families as to why they don't play games, you know, the biggest excuse mm. is lack of time. And of course, families are very busy. Mm-hmm. Generally, yeah. when it's not locked down, everybody's doing their own thing and parents are having to take the kids into lots of different places. And time is really short for many families. So, uh, you ca- but you can't look at one of these coaster games and say, I don't have time to play that. I mean, one of them, Alien Farm, the deduction game, plays in about five minutes. So you know, everybody's got that time and you can put it in the car glove compartment and play it when you're out. So yeah. um, I'm, it, I'm trying to find ways to overcome the uh, objections that, that families yeah. have. <laughs> and and have them in, really.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the the, uh, the playmat games, as Ollie mentioned, um, do, they, do they have the rules on them as well somewhere? Or yeah, are they,
2: they do. Like, they have So yeah. there are two um, placemat games at the moment, and each both of them are on the same pad. So they're like giant roll-and-write pads. They're like these huge A3 desk pad-type things, and mm. each leaf in the pad has one game on one side, and on the reverse, it has a different game. Um so if you buy a pad of them, you get both games and they are both roll and write games. They have the instructions on the on the side where the game is. And so you, everybody can see it in front of them. And uh, as I said, these are for any number of players. So and you, all, you only need standard D6 dice to play. Yeah. Uh, yeah,
0: which which most people would have sort of r- rattling around somewhere, weren't they?
2: They would. Yeah, but again,
0: also, it's a lo- it's the low it's the low barrier to entry. It's not like yeah. you have to find a D twelve and a D twenty somewhere. <laughs> no, exactly.
2: it's a low barrier, to entry, particularly as so you can now just ask Google to roll dice for you.
0: <laughs> True. Yeah. Yeah. You can ask Alexa and things like that. Yeah, can exactly. you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I wanted to talk to you a bit about the design process as well that you that you have going on. Um, sure. You uh, when you're thinking about a game, how uh, what, what comes first is it kind of a mechanic where you think you've got a good idea for a game or do you have like a theme first an idea about oh it's going to be aliens or something like that and then you build a game around that how, how do you how do you generally come, come to the idea of making a particular type of game
2: usually it's the mechanic that comes first for me hmm. um, and uh, I always want to have a theme because particularly for families I think it's quite important uh, but I will I mean, sometimes I think of a mechanic and the theme comes very quickly after. But other times I have a mechanic and I'm not absolutely sure how it's going to fit. And I might have to do a big, you know, kind of brainstorming session where I'm thinking, you know, what am i actually doing here? What does that lend itself to? And then the rest of the game will come after the theme so yeah. uh, one central mechanic and it might not end up being central but it certainly starts mm. off being central one central mechanic might lend itself to the theme which then will um, pad out the kind of mechanisms that work in the game mm. and and how everything fits together that's almost i mean probably 80 percent of the things that i've done have been like that but i do create these themed boxes and of course, you know, if I've got a game, uh, for example, I've got a game called Uranus, which is currently, well, cu- it's made it through to the semifinals of the, 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 bo- the board game design, no, the board game workshop uh, design oh. contest. Oh, wow, yeah. Uh, which is pretty cool. And that's mm. about uh, aliens, alien races on the moons of Uranus. And... Um, <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> yes slightly tongue-in-cheek with the name um and then I I was trying to create it because that's going to go in puzzle box three and I was trying to and I wanted another um game to go in that one as well and actually I Mm. had this speed game uh called countdown confusion and but it wasn't really themed and then of course I just had this inspiration of course it's the countdown before you you know blast off uh, So yeah, it yeah. tweaks it's turned into this sort of astronaut themed game yeah. um it's fairly it's fairly loosely themed but um it kind of works you say blast off in it you know there's this kind of <laughs> down going on uh, but yeah this speed card drafting confusing set collection game which is <laughs> fun Uh, with creating the boxes of a theme you know the the idea really is to provide different kinds of games within the Mm. same box so you're looking at a theme uh loose loosely looking at a theme yeah and and the the games within that are going to be all quite different game experiences
0: yeah so uh i noticed that a lot of your games have a very similar kind of visual style and a very similar kind of artwork on them who's the artist who
2: she's uh, Anast- yeah, anastasia Kartanovenka. Hmm. she's a brilliant artist who um is based in moldova and she does the work on everything for me so yeah i've found so, i found one that i like and she she does it yeah <laughs> and she's the same graphic designer for everything as well we've got a yeah, dream, dream team of three girls doing everything
0: <laughs> right yeah sounds great yeah so i was going to ask about that actually the graphic design as well is that is that how much impact do you have on that is that Kind of come I, from playtesting, or do you, do you just leave it to the artist to sort of design no, their best No,
2: I kind of manage the whole development process. Mm. So I, I create an art brief which I send to the artist, the artist does her work first. I tell her exactly what I want and she comes back. um, Well, in fact, I don't tell her exactly what I want. Sometimes I'll say, this is what the game's about. I've got a few ideas about what could be on the front cover. (laughs) Can you do your magic? And she'll come back with some concepts which I will then pick from. And those concepts will be sort of line drawings and then, um, yes yeah, you may do several revisions but we get we get there in the end and of course I if you've seen the front of the boxes the artwork goes within the, the dark imp shape so that the uh there's a sort of brand consistency across all of the games
0: yeah I did notice that yeah it's really cool it's got the kind of that that bold kind of shape on on yeah. all of them has't it yeah which is really yeah. good
2: yeah. And then the, the graphic designer similarly. So I send the graphic designer a brief and it's very, very um, clear exactly what I want her to do. I've sent her all the prototypes. So she's got pictures of everything or the files from the from what I've created. She's got all the artwork and she's got the rule book word for word um yeah. in in draft you know draft format in a sort of yeah. word document with with details of all the uh images that need to go there so yeah i kind of oversee very heavily the whole process and there are lots of revisions i mean mm. we've just got the uranus rule book down by quite a few pages which is good uh, because that has to be submitted as part of the competition
0: yeah, yeah. uh you uh, you also produce all the games yourself as well so how, how do you do
2: that is that I've tried to kind of create my own way of doing that because Mm. the, the issue, of course, with using uh, board game manufacturers is that you have to commit to such high minimum numbers. Mm, yeah. And when you are um, starting out as a new game, uh, board game publisher, and you're just growing your um, customer base, that's quite daunting. And particularly in my situation where what I'm trying to do is create uh, mixed boxes of games and uh, you know a, a mini range really fairly quickly. So I've been i'm working with a local printer who does almost all the printing does the punch oh, board right, yeah. everything so mm. you know and he's brilliant because he'll show me every single thing uh, in in you know he'll do um mocked up versions of every single thing and w- and he'll do mm. them many times until we get them right so yeah I, I spent a long time looking for printers that would do punch board in the uk uh mm. it was it was quite a quite a quite a journey yeah
0: and, I can
1: imagine
2: uh, yeah <laughs> yeah and 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 now I've got this really good relationship with this printer and and I've done things like you know I've made adjustments like I have standard box sizes a big box size and a tin box size and I buy those boxes in bulk and the big box has been customized to me it's got a debossed logo the dark imp on it and the tin box is a you know it's a, it's a tin so mm. it, it and, and both of those boxes have sleeves for the different games. So the artwork is on the sleeve, which goes over the box. Mm. And that those kinds of things help to enable me to do smaller print runs without it being uh, just exorbitantly expensive. So mm. oh, you just yeah. have to think a bit, um, you know, a little bit more creatively, really.
0: Mm. Uh, you're also an author as well. You've written a book. Do you want to tell us a bit about that?
2: Yep, the book's called *The Board Game Family: Reclaim Your Children from the Screen*. It was published last year uh, by Crown House, and it's a—it's really a how-to guide for parents who'd like to introduce and integrate board gaming into family life. I mean, it's got quite a lot of information in that's relevant for families that already board game, uh, but uh, the, the the primary driver behind it was to to be a sort of a roadmap, I suppose, to getting the family to to play board games. Mm-hmm. Before I um before I set up the Dark Imp, I was uh, I, I ran an education company for fifteen years, and we were training teachers how to manage behaviour. Mm-hmm. And so I I know quite a lot about behavior management and that translates into helping parents to manage behavior around the game table. So there's quite a lot in the book, which is really behavior stuff. So, you know, when you ask people why they don't play games, sometimes it's because they haven't got time. Mm. Sometimes it's because they're expensive. Uh, Sometimes it's because they can't get the kids off the phone. And sometimes it's, oh, my God. There's too many arguments and I don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. So now this this book really is lots of advice and help and tips and then loads of games that work well for families. Yeah. And uh, not just the ones you might think, but uh, much more complex ones than most people would think of as being purely family games. Mm. So yeah, we play a lot of very complicated games at home, and children are perfect. And we have done for years. And children mm-hmm. are perfectly capable of dealing with complex games, but they can't deal with sitting around <laughs> for <laughs> for ten minutes in between turns. They, yeah. you know, you have to pick your game carefully.
0: Uh, have you got any uh, recommendations on family games? Any any played recently that you're enjoying, or any any favourites, any classics that you uh, that you enjoy playing? Well, sh-
2: Well, um, there are so many that work really well. And I think, you know, the, the advice really is the same for families as anyone else. You play what you what suits you as a group. And for one family, that might be one thing. And for another family, that might be something totally different. Um, You know, some families really get on well with uh, party games and other families not so much. They're more into the sort of strategy stuff. Mm. Um, We've played recently, we've been playing. Well, Camel Up is always a good one. Uh, Cult Express we've been playing again recently there are some that come out again and again I mean Terraforming Mars is the one that hits the table most here but I wouldn't say that it was a family game it's Mm. great for good you know for families who like playing games um and what else have we been playing? We've been playing – so I've d- I often play two-player games with the kids. Um, mm. We don't always – you don't always have to have a big family game night. You know, it's about finding moments where you can play with one uh, with one of them sometimes so you've got, you've got time with just that one other person. So we've been playing quite a lot of – there's a game called Paris, La City de la Lumière. I don't know if you've come across it. It's a Cosmos two-player
0: uh-huh. – I've heard of it, yeah. It's uh,
2: absolutely no, I it. brilliant. I love right. it. It's honestly one of my favourite games at the moment, and I think it's gone a little bit under the radar for everybody, yeah. but I picked it up at Essen last year, and it's total favourite. I really love it.
0: Uh, I'm going to have to try and, uh, yeah, try and find that one. then somewhere. I think they have it at our local... Um Board game cafe, I think there, so
2: Okay. So I might, yeah. might
0: pick up a go from there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, brilliant. Okay. Well, thank you uh, very much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you it very me. much. Um, I'm that. loving uh, all, all that you're doing and um, all the games, and everything. They're brilliant. Uh, if people want to find you or get in touch, how do they? Uh, how do they go about finding you?
2: The website's thedarkimp.com. Thedarkimp.com. I'm uh, Ellie at thedarkimp.com. And on Twitter, I'm at Ellie Dix Tweets. And
0: Brilliant. you can
2: also find the YouTube channel if you just search for The Dark Imp.
0: That's great. Okay, thank you very much.
2: Brilliant. Thanks. For, yeah. Very nice to speak to you.
0: So, LA has had uh, two games reviewed in uh, Tabletop magazine, which are Don't Count Your Chickens and one called Top Cake, and they've both got really favourable reviews. So, um, yeah, looking forward to trying those at some point. Um, I actually saw, I actually um, got into touch with her because I bought some uh, coaster games from her, some of the coaster games. Oh, yeah, uh, she uh, does those, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're little coaster games, and they've got, like, a game on one side and rules on the other. And she does the bigger map ones as well, so I, I bought some of those from her. But uh, she does uh, proper bigger games as well and all sorts of stuff that, uh, on her website. So def- definitely check out Ellie. She's got loads of stuff on there.
1: Yeah, I love the person, Ellie. Yeah. I've met her once or twice on, online, but uh, he uh, really knows her stuff about games as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, on to the uh, question of the week. So it's not really a question, this. It's more of a, a discussion, uh, mm. which uh, Tom suggested, online conventions. So take it yeah. away, Tom. Yeah, <laughs> so
1: um, we just had uh, Gen Con did an online version, was that last weekend or the weekend before? Yeah, um, within last uh, week so, Coming it. up. In uh, a week and a bit from where I'm talking now, but I don't know when this podcast is dropping. We've got the UK Games Expo, which are doing it their event virtually this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, I think Essen's going to be doing vir- uh, something virtual later on as well. Oh, so okay. um, it's uh, it's definitely one that all the big cons are trying to have some sort of thing going on mm-hmm. when they can't do obviously the. The real in person physical convention. Um, and it's a, it's an interesting idea because it's, it's, in a way, it's not providing what you'd normally get from a convention, mm. but also it's giving people the option of attending cons that they otherwise wouldn't. Yeah. Like, I would never have got to go to Gen Con normally, but I could have, well, I didn't actually, but I could have joined in with the virtual Gen Con just as mm. well as someone. Who uh, lives in Indianapolis?
0: So, yeah, do conventions play a big part? Don't they? Because there's a lot of stuff that goes on there. There, there are yeah. meeting up with your friends who you haven't seen for a while. There's publishers make announcements of these things. They release new games of these things. Kickstarters are on are there. Yeah. There's a lot of a lot of stuff going on, and to move all that online, it must be a massive job. It must be huge to get all that you know organized and and, and transferred. Yeah,
1: I mean, obviously the. Um Seminars and things can be done through like um, conference calls and mm. uh, Zoom type things, so I can see how they can get those those working. And the the uh, meeting your friends bit that's that's where it kind of falls down because they they've got that replaced by sort of you know Discord servers, mm. so you sort of hang around in chat and say hello, I'm here. I don't know if that, that, that really doesn't sound like it's going to be the same sort of thing as just uh, walking mm. around and, and uh, seeing someone playing a game at a table.
0: Oh, I haven't seen you for ages. Yeah, how are you doing? Yeah, um, I think there'd be more of uh, yeah more of uh, that uh, a convention where you kind of wander around and something might catch your eye. Whereas with a, yeah. if it's more online, perhaps you've got a schedule and you'll you, you know you'll um, you'll kind of know what you're looking for, perhaps rather than. Just a uh, you know something catching your eye and saying oh yeah that looks interesting you'll you'll kind of go towards the ones that you wanna you wanna look at but then maybe it'll work that way instead. Yeah. Um, One thing I like about the um,
1: the UK Games Expo virtual thing they're going to try and recreate the sort of market hall thing hmm. where you've, you've got a little uh, layout of uh, stalls on the screen ah, and you've yeah. got you you as your little meeple can walk down and sort oh, of check cool. out the stalls as you <laughs> go along. Um, That's a good idea. Yeah. It's all sort of going to be a sort of Top-down, uh, yeah, 2D adventure version of the
0: of the Expo Games Hall.
1: It's uh, I don't know how that's going to work, but it's it's, it's, mm. it's nice that they're trying that. I think.
0: Yeah, I've seen uh, I've seen a few things on uh, YouTube where people you know put like tutorials up and demos and things like that mm. where they where they show them there. So if if you don't watch it on the actual day itself, you know you can catch up afterwards. Uh, whereas I think in an online con- a, a a a real convention they're not actually recorded. or they? They're just there for the for the day or the weekend or whatever. and Then it's gone. Whereas if it's online, perhaps it's going to be there for a bit longer, and you can catch up with it later on. If you're busy that week, or you know, if you don't get a chance to look at it, you'll you'll have something to look back on. Uh, the, the other thing is is uh, the, there are other advantages as well. So you won't have like the crowds. You know, they get in there, the parking, all that kind of stuff. You can oh, kind yeah. of do it do it at your own leisure and sort of look around the stuff you want in your own time. Yeah, and there'll
1: still be the possibility to uh, meet up with people virtually and mm. arrange to play games with them virtually. Yeah, yeah. On like Tabletop Simulator or Board Game Arena or whatever. So um,
0: Yeah, like you say, a lot of them have got the Discord channels, haven't they, so you can sort of yeah. speak to people and join in games, uh, being organised and There'll definitely and be a lot of things happening and, yeah, mm. the advantage
1: is you can do it from comfort of your own home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think there's uh in terms of the um game launches, I think some some games that would have been launched this year have been sort of put back and shelved for this year and uh, mm. so there'll be less things launched than normal, but I think there will still be some that have been in the works and they'll be gonna be planned. Yeah.
0: Launch. Do you think conventions are more of a uh more of a bigger event uh, in America than they are over here? Uh I, I watch the Dice Tower and they usually cover all the conventions that are going off over there and there's usually quite a lot and they're usually quite expansive. Obviously we've got bigger ones over here as well and we have like Essen and various ones like you say in the, in the UK as well but they're probably not on the same kind of scale as it is over there.
1: Yeah, I think only uh UK Games Expo is up there with the uh big one from America. Mm, um, yeah. Obviously Essen's the, the biggest. But yeah, all the rest of them are sort of, i mean there's lots of little cons that go on around the place like tabletop scotland and yeah and and things but i think they're more sort of get together to play games in a friendly sort of setting hmm. um kind of conventions hmm. so i don't know exactly how whether they
0: can be replaced by anything yeah it's a yeah it's a bit of a shame really because it's such a social hobby isn't it everybody kind of likes to get together yeah. and meet the friends and You know, play games and things. Whereas at the moment we just can't do that, so it's a bit of a shame that all this kind of stuff's been cancelled. But people are finding ways around it, aren't they? People are uh, playing online or organising other things, you know. And uh...
1: yeah, um, I wonder actually if uh, when things do get back so that we can have proper conventions again, whether all the experiments they've been doing with having virtual things will um, continue. So you'll have Mm. the so maybe twenty twenty one. Gen Con and Expo and Essen will have the normal games hall, but also the online thing as well for people to... um, So someone in Australia can attend the UK Games Expo if they want.
0: Yeah, it would would make sense, that, wouldn't it? Yeah,
1: Because there's a lot of things that they've been putting into place that they might as well keep. Yeah, Since they've uh, done the work of setting it up, they they could keep it going. Which Mm. would be a nice... It it might be a sort of... um, a nice extra that's, that comes out of all this so next year we'll have the best of both worlds yeah hopefully we can hope
0: yeah yeah
1: I presume that um, all the seminars since they're going to be over uh, video link anyway will be uh, they might as well record them so they probably will all be available afterwards so mm. seminars at least will be uh, uh,
0: viewable yeah it'll be interesting because I've, I've not really seen any of those so it'll be interesting yeah, to see what they what they're like yeah. and yeah. what they talk about yeah okay uh, I think we've waffled on long enough so <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll, yeah. yeah thank you very much for joining me Tom it's been a pleasure talking to you as always and likewise we are Sheffield Board Gamers we're not meeting at the moment so <laughs> keep an eye on Facebook and on YouTube and stuff and we'll uh, we'll get together again as soon as we can thank you again Tom and um, we'll see you speak through again soon bye for now bye Rick bye